begin. If you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in your New Testaments. That's where we're going to be studying from this morning. Uh, we're starting a new series for the month of January, and, and Leonard kind of mentioned this during his thoughts this morning, that we're going to be presenting to you this morning a few new things as we try to live out our vision here at Pine Tree. And as you're turning over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want to start with a few questions to get your minds in the right direction as we study this text this morning. And one of those is, I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you would raise your hand and say yes to this question, that church, being a part of a church, being a member of a church, has made a positive impact on your life? Would anybody say yes to that? That's a lot of hands going up. And if you didn't raise your hand, then that's hopefully that will change. And you can become a member here, and it will be a positive impact on your life. Uh, One of the questions that's going to drive the next several sermons, uh, or it's at least going to be in the background of these sermons, is what does it mean to be a church member? Or maybe even more specifically, what does it mean to be a functioning church member? A man named Tom Rayner wrote a book called I Am a Church Member. Very short, simple book, but he talks about what it means in America in this century, to be a church member. And so one of the words he uses is this word functioning. He says, what does it mean to be a functioning church member? Not just a church member, but a functioning church member. So I'll ask the question, what does it mean to be a functioning church member of the Pine Tree Church of Christ? What does it mean to be a functioning church member here at this church? Uh, There was a woman who started attending a church, not here, somewhere else, And she was coming weekly, and the preacher noticed her, but he also noticed that when she shows up, the way that she's dressed, she looks like she just rolled out of bed. So he approached her one Sunday after the worship service, had a conversation with her, and he challenged her. He said, I want to challenge you to spend the next week talking to God about the way that you dress to church. So the next week came around, he was up there preaching, he noticed her in the audience, she was wearing pretty much the same outfit. So he came up to her a little irritated after church, and he said, I thought I told you to talk to God about the way you're dressing to church. And she said, I did. And he said, well, what did God say? And she said, well, God said, I don't know. I've never been to that church. I don't think he liked her answer too much, but, and she stopped going to that church. But we want to be a part of a church where God is at. I mean, essentially, that's, I think, why you're here. That's why I'm here. We want to be a part of a body where we say God is there. Amongst these people and this worship and these classes and things that we do is we find God and we draw near to God. I want to be a part of a church that God would look at us and say, there's a good example of what I intended. Anybody else with me on that? Would you want to be a part of a church where God looks at us and says, that's a good example of what I intended through church? Y'all with me? Okay, that's what I would like. When we look in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 16 and 18, Jesus uses this word church, and it's the Greek word ekklesia, which really just means called out ones. Uh, And it was referred to, you know, a town assembly or something like that. And Jesus takes that word ekklesia and he says, I'm going to build my ekklesia, I'm going to build my church. And in the book of Acts, the early Christians, they were referred to as the way at the beginning. And then eventually that term church began to pick on pick up some steam and and then you looked at the different towns 
And they were referred to as the church of Corinth or the church of Thessalonica or the church of whatever town that they were in. You read the New Testament and pretty much half of the New Testament, the 27 books in the New Testament, was written by the Apostle Paul. And most of his letters were written to churches. He writes to some individuals and he names individuals in these letters, but he writes them to a church. The very last book in the New Testament, the book of Revelation. Those first few chapters, we have John's apocalyptic vision that he sees, that God reveals to him. But he has a message to seven different churches, and that message comes from the resurrected Jesus himself. So we see in the New Testament how important churches are, especially in God's eyes. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is going to be our passage this morning, and Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. And by the way, this church is a very messed up church. It's a messy church. If you read 1 and 2 Corinthians, they are dealing with a lot of problems. And Paul is addressing some of these problems. One of the problems is that some members of the church in Corinth feel like they are superior to others. They have certain gifts and talents And they feel like they are elevated above other members. And so Paul is addressing that because that's a problem. And I'm just going to pick up in verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Read 7 through 11. And we're going to kind of read and dissect some of this chapter this morning. Starting in verse 7. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each person, to each member, God gives you a spiritual gift for the common good. And then he uses different examples of some of the spiritual gifts. Verse 8, wisdom, knowledge, but they all come from the same spirit. Verse 9, faith, gifts of healing. Verse 10, working of miracles, prophecy, discernment of the spirits, tongues, interpretation of the tongues. Now these are some of the gifts that we don't really talk about very often. And this list that Paul gives right here, this is not a comprehensive list of all the spiritual gifts. You could read Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and you see different gifts that Paul's referring to. He's just using these as an example, but his point is it all comes from the same Spirit. Verse 11, all these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. One highlight I see from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is Paul is saying that all members, all, everybody that's a part of the body that has a spiritual gift, we're equal. Everybody has a unique gift to contribute, a specific gift to contribute, and that part is needed. You are needed in this church. Your experiences, your heart, your giftedness, the way that God has wired you, you have something to contribute that nobody else does. And Paul's saying God set it up that way. That every part is just as important. So then in verse 12 and following, Paul is going to use the example of a human body and the example of being a member or a part of a church and how we're kind of like a part of a human body, but all of it's necessary. So I want to read verse 12 through probably 25. I know it's kind of a lengthy reading. I hope that you're following along. And then we're going to go back over a few of these verses. So we'll start in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Anybody reading from an NIV this morning? It probably says part. 
I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. It says members. We're going to come back to verse 12 in just a moment. Verse 13. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. I'm going to come back to that verse in just a moment. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the ear would say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged them, the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. So Paul's alluding to the body is where it needs to be because that's the way that God designed it. And he's repetitive. Paul's repetitive here in his example, and he does that with a, with a purpose. Verse 19, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the members of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this, God has so arranged the body giving greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. Okay, so we get this example. You know, Paul is using what other Roman and Greek writers would have used, the example of a human body. Roman and Greek writers would talk about the human body and then our place as citizens or their place as citizens and and what you may function as, as a part of that body. But when Roman and Greek writers would use this as an example, they had, it was kind of like a hierarchy ladder, right? Some were more important than others, but Paul says not so in the body of Christ. We're all needed. We're all, we all make up one body, and that is the body of the resurrected Christ. So go back to verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. And he mentions this members, where the body is made up of many members, but it makes up one body. You know, I mentioned my translation that I'm reading from uses this word member, okay? Uh, The word member is a little tricky the way that we read it, because now it's about 2,000 years or so later, and when we think of being a member of something, maybe our thoughts are a little different than what Paul initially intended. So one of the questions I want to ask is, what is a member? What does Paul mean by being a member? Are any of you, other than being a member at a church, a member of something in society? You know, we're all, one person raised their hand, but I am sure that more of you are a member of something. Some of you may be a member of a country club or some social club. And the way we view membership most of the time is you pay your dues, and so you have a voice. And you expect something in return because you're paying money to be a part of it. So you feel like you're a privileged member. That's kind of the way that we view membership. I am a member of Anytime Fitness. So I have a key, a little scan card thing on my keychain. So anytime there's an Anytime Fitness, I just scan it and I can get in. I've been to two different ones in Longview. I've been to the one in Gilmer, the one in Gladewater, the one in Mount Pleasant, the one in Rockwall, the one in Searcy, Arkansas. Why? Because Not just because I have the key, because I pay money to be a part of it. 
All right, so I'm a member of Anytime Fitness, and if that sounds appealing to you, and you want to become a member of Anytime Fitness, please give them my name so I can get a free month of membership. <laughs> but I get something from it. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to get in shape or lose weight just because I pay money, but I get to use it at my disposal whenever I feel like using it because I paid the money to be a member. And that's kind of the way that we view membership. But if we view church membership that way, we've missed the point. And Paul is not saying, okay, you put money in the collection plate so they have to listen to you and you can gripe or complain or do whatever, and that's what being a member is. But Paul says being a member is being a part of the body of Christ. That's what being a member is, is being a functioning part of the body, a part that functions, that works and does its part. In verse 13, Paul mentions baptism. And he says, for... In the one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. And then he mentions Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We were all made to drink of one spirit. So, when you're baptized, as I'll use Chantel as an example. Again, she was baptized this Friday, this past Friday. When she's baptized, she's baptized into Christ. She becomes a new person. A follower of Jesus, sins washed away, God sends the Spirit to live inside of you. We're baptized into Christ, but Paul says we're baptized into his body. So baptism has a unifying effect. That it's not an isolated thing, and that's another deal with us as Americans, is we're so individualistic that we just think it's all about us. But when we're baptized, yes, we as individuals are saved. We get to have eternal life. But we're also baptized and we become a part of a body. We're unified with other believers. So Paul uses this word member. And one of the things that we've seen, we saw it this morning and we saw it last week. And almost sometimes on a weekly basis, and we're excited about that, is we have people place membership. And that has maybe become so routine in our lives that we don't even question what that means. But some of you do. Not just in this church, but pretty much every church that I've been a part of or spoke at or whatever, is that somebody says, why place membership? There's not a biblical example. Paul doesn't say, so now you have to actually place membership in a local church. And so, if you're a natural skeptic like me, you may ask, why place membership? And you could probably come up with several reasons why that's probably an important and a healthy thing to do. But I want to offer you three words that I think it's important, or three words of why I think it's important to place membership. One of those words is commitment. I mentioned Tom Rayner in his book, and he mentions being a functioning member of a church. When you place membership, you are showing, I'm committing myself to this body, to this local church body, and I commit, I commit to be a functioning church member. I commit to contributing my spiritual gift and my talent and the way that God has wired me, and I commit to to this church. And when you place commitment, you're showing others, I commit. So commitment is one of those words. Family. I believe, and we're going to read a passage in just a moment, that Paul also believes that a church, using this body metaphor, is also a family. And Jesus uses the image of doing the will of God. You're my brother. You're my sister. So when we become a part of a church, we believe we're also a part of a family, right? Anybody feel that way? 
That's the idea behind it, at least. And that's why we use words like brother and sister in Christ. You know, coming off the holiday time, I'm sure that some of you uh, were around your own family. Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And uh, I would ask for a show of hands, but you might be sitting by some family. But probably some of you were annoyed by some of your weirder family members. Am I right on that? We don't pick and choose who becomes a part of our family and say, well, you know what? That uncle or that sibling or whoever, or my, you know, my friend's kid, you know, whatever it may be, whoever is a part of your family for the holidays, we don't pick and choose and say, well, they're too annoying, they're too weird, I don't want them to be in my family anymore. You accept them, you love them, you care for them. And being a part of a church, not only are you showing commitment, but you're showing your family. And it may not be easy to love everyone that's a part of the family, but we're going to try to do it because we are family. So commitment, family, and shepherding. When you place membership, you know, we have six shepherds at this church. And one of the things that you're identifying with is saying, I need to be shepherded. We can become prideful and say, no, I don't. But you look at the Bible, Old and New Testament, that's God's model. God knows that we as human beings, need to be shepherded. We can't do it on our own, and we need people who are spiritual leaders to help guide us. When Paul goes around establishing these churches in the New Testament, he sets up elders. And there's different words for elders, and one of those words is shepherds. So when you say, I want to be a part of this church, I want to identify as a member, as a part of the body here, you're saying, I commit I want to be a part of a family, and I need shepherding. And then when you become a part of a connect group, uh, our shepherds are spread out over different connect groups, and you receive some of that shepherding even further. So when Paul talks about being a part of the body, being baptized into the body, we believe it's important to commit to being a part of a local church body. And a lot of you have already done that. Some of you did this a long time ago, and maybe as we talk about this right now, you're thinking about your own role in this part of the body. Look at verse 26 is where I left off. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. This is that, that's family. I mean, this is what I meant by family. When somebody suffers, we all suffer. When I wake up during the night and I check on the house, at least once a week at some point, I kick a toy or I step on a toy and it really hurts. Parents, anybody else do that? But I don't go back to bed and say, well, good thing that's just my toe that hurts, but the rest of my body's fine. No, it radiates throughout my whole body. And I don't go back to sleep until the toe stops hurting or I do something about it. It's the same thing with the body, with the family of Christ. We suffer together, we rejoice together. We live as a family. And then in verse 27, Paul says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So the resurrected body of Christ is capable of being many-membered. Many different individuals with different backgrounds and different gifts and different personalities. And we all make up this body of the resurrected Jesus Christ. And what a privilege that is. So one of the things that we've done over the last few months was a ministry staff, uh, with a vision team, and with the, our shepherds here, is we've met and we've prayerfully talked about what 
the future of this church looks like, what 2018 will look like. And a little over a year ago, it was presented to you that we have a vision, a mission statement that at this church, we want to make, mature, and multiply faithful followers of Jesus. And along with that, we have seven commitments. And you've heard that, I've mentioned it, other people have mentioned it. I think Phil Ware did a whole sermon series on it last year. So we've had over a year to think about these commitments and think about this mission statement. And now we're at a place where we say, okay, let's start to put a little bit of strategy behind it or a little bit of meat behind where we move forward with this. So as I've asked the question, what does it mean to be a functioning member of the Pine Tree Church of Christ? There's five things that we want to say, this is what it looks like to be a functioning member. And some of these things may sound elementary to you. You may say, I've been doing this for a long time, and if that's the case, then great. Some of you may say, I do some of these things, but not others, and maybe this is a challenge for you to rededicate yourself. Well, one of the things is worship. What, you're doing, what we're doing this morning is we ask that if you're going to be a functioning member of this church that you commit on a weekly basis to be in this room together as a body in worship, not every other week or once a month or when you feel like it, but we commit to every week. Sometimes you're sick, sometimes you're out of town, but that's just a part of being a functioning member. Worship, Bible community. Leonard mentioned this during his prayer this morning. In other words, Bible class. This morning after a worship service, we have Bible classes offered. Wednesday nights, we have Bible classes that are offered. Tuesday mornings, we have ladies' Bible classes that are offered. We believe that it is incredibly important to be a part of a smaller community that studies the Bible together. That you root yourself and your life in the Word of God, and you do that on a regular basis. So regularly worship with us, attend Bible community, connect groups. We have these connect groups that will meet this evening. If you're not in a connect group and you want to be a part of one or you know you need to be a part of one, Tony, can they come see you? Yes, I'm going to say yes for you. You nodded your head yes. But come talk to Tony. You can be a part of a connect group. We believe that's important. We believe that's important. We believe that being a part of a connect group deepens your faith through your connection with others. Okay, you may say, I do all three of those things. We also believe that being a functioning member of the Pine Tree Church of Christ means service. And and I'm not just meaning worship service. I mean Serving, being a servant like Jesus modeled for us. That's either internal or external service. Some of you may use your gifts and your talents and your energies to help serve by teaching a class here or working in the nursery or whatever it may be. You're offering an internal service. And maybe you do that for a quarter and then you're off for a quarter. And then maybe when you're off from offering an internal service, you participate in an external service. Back in October, we did a sermon series on missions. And we presented over three weeks, Homework Club, Caring and Sharing, Highway 80 Rescue Missions. I'm probably missing a few. We are foreign missions like Honduras and Ghana and other places. There's plenty of opportunities for you to serve, but there's also a lot of opportunities. So if you're like me, you may sometimes feel like, I can't, I can't do them all. Maybe God is calling you to focus on one area of service. And you're going to pour some of your energy and your life and your passion and your gift into this area of service because this is a part of what it means to be a member, a functioning member of the Pine Tree Church of Christ. And then the fifth thing is discipleship. 
We say we want to make, mature, and multiply faithful followers of Jesus. And that sounds great, and that's Jesus' model. But how do we do that? How do we specifically do that? What's the strategy behind it? From now on, one of the things that we're going to ask for you to do, at least for the next few months, is to begin prayerfully considering this question. Who's your one? Who has God placed in your life that you're connected with that maybe your eyes have not yet been opened to it that God is calling you to disciple them? That God is calling you to reach them for Christ? Who is your one? If we have 500 plus members of this body and every member begins to disciple one person, imagine what God could do with that this year. This isn't just something that sounds fancy or sounds good for a sermon. Uh, Over the next several weeks, we're going to break these down, and I'm going to preach on them. We're going to talk about it. And then in February, we're going to talk further about this whole discipleship thing. So that's why we ask for the next month, just prayerfully consider this. Who's your one? Who is God calling you to disciple? We're going to preach on that in February, and then we're also going to offer some training and some opportunities for you to develop your ability to reach others for Christ. So we believe this is what it means to be a functioning member of the Pine Tree Church of Christ. Worship, Bible community, connect groups, offering a service, and discipling one person. Discipling someone. I had a preacher one time that told me, you know, you know it's winter time, so it's snowing everywhere else but here. And he said, when it snows, you can hold out your hand and a snowflake falls on your hand, and what does it do? It melts. But then you watch the news and you have enough of these snowflakes falling and they pile up, it can stop a bulldozer. On our own, as a part of the body of Christ, uh, we can only do so much. But together, as a body, functioning together, doing our part, God can do amazing things through that. As I read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I think about... What a privilege it is to get to be called, hey, I'm a part of the body of the resurrected Christ. That's a privilege. It doesn't mean that we're entitled and that we're owed something. It means we get to contribute. And it begins with baptism. And this morning, as we're going to sing a few more songs, that's one thing I challenge you to think about, is if you haven't been baptized into Christ, today's a good day to think about doing that. If you've been a member of church for a while or a few months, and maybe you've been viewing it like, hey, what's in it for me? And you've had this attitude. Maybe today's a good day to repent and move in a different direction. This morning we're going to sing a song. And if you have any prayer requests, any need, you can come up front. You can grab one of our shepherds who will be in the back and speak with them privately. But we just encourage you to take this opportunity to respond if you need to while we stand and sing.